0: listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Uh, hello folks. This is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. And this good morning, is good afternoon.
2: Good evening. Yeah.
1: I'm like, what? I don't even know what time of day it is. I don't know what's, saying, what's happening. Yeah, yeah,
2: totally.
1: Um, it's Wednesday. So it's always off. I feel like, don't you feel like Wednesdays sometimes just are a little wackadoo. Like you don't really know what's going on. Um, and it's also deja vu. We've got some deja vu happening up in here. Um, cause we <laughs> brought back Erica.
0: So Erica,
1: <laughs> welcome back to part two. Same.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Same person, but I think different clothing. So that's good.
1: We got that. We got that going for us. Um, so, um, I know that we you know, during the last uh, episode, we had some great conversations, but we did not yeah. dig in on the research that you all have done. And that's what we need to do. So mm-hmm. um, I would love for you to just share a little bit about kind of the research that you did. And then we'll I'm sure we have we're going to have a million questions. So.
0: Yeah, sure. So um about. Uh, wait, 2020. Yeah, so of brown 2020 um i decided that well through some nudging of friends and mentors um i decided that i wanted to do a research project it had been sort of i was calling it a passion project it had been an idea in the back of my head for a while but um in 2020 i really said okay we're actually going to do it and it was around um how black women were whether or not black women were surviving or thriving in the workplace and what did thriving mean um and and it was early on in terms of now i feel like everyone's using the word thriving um and it's all over the place uh and i i wanted to know i wanted to to poke literally i wanted to poke at the premise that um what we have been taught to believe is that if we have the title and we have the money, then we should be perfectly happy at work. Um, and I just knew from my own professional experience and I knew from being a DEI practitioner that I had watched and listened to black women come up during breaks. Um, I can remember from my own being, before I owned my own firm of, of my own experience of being like, you know, I'm getting paid well enough, but, um, I still don't feel, I don't feel happy. I don't feel like really proud of my work. Um, and so I I also realized that it was the, that, that one of the gaps that I saw as being a DEI practitioner is we're like, we wanna create an inclusive place, an equitable place, and we still don't do a very good job of asking the folks that are most impacted, what do you want? And i was like well all right i'm a black woman let's go ask black women what they want and let's bring that to the table in these conversations and strategies so that that's that is what started it. <laughs> that was what started this small idea that grew to this two-year 1400 people participating 20 different focus groups uh analysts and researchers and all black women-led research team um, black facilitators, black research analysts. Like that's what led to this larger, this larger project.
2: I'm curious as you were, can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if my thing was unstable. That was a lot. That's a lot. And taking two years is a, a lot. How did you find the people that you used for? Um, like, who did you interview specifically? Where did you find those folks? So, um, I really,
0: I I relied on my network. And, um, I said, send this to like, it was the spider web. I was like, send this to people that, you know, tell them to send it to people that, you know, and we found people by, um, we found people through, uh, social media. Um, you know, we had like we my team and like my my work i call them my work wives my work wives you know we had our own connections um but i really we found people through connections and it just started spreading um people were people who took the survey were then asked were then sending to their friends and their colleagues and saying take the survey um and we also got some good word of mouth because folks were saying like, this is really different. Thank you for, you know, for doing this work. Um, I'm sending it to all of my friends because like, I felt like you were in my head. So it was like word of mouth, but also like positive word of mouth and association. It was it like organically, it was a really interesting thing to see. And are
1: they all is it all US based? Sorry, I was on mute. So uh, all US based uh,
0: participants. Um, I want to say that it is. Let me flip to the tem- demographics page in the back here. Oh, I was like, yes. I can, yeah, yeah. Answer <laughs> Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it is like I'm gonna do math in real time here. So about 90 per 92% of it is US based. And we did have like maybe 5% that was in other parts of the world. I know we had some UK women, filling, black women filling it out.
1: So what did you find out? Like what, what was, you know, what is the answer to the question? So how do black women
0: thrive? So, um, what became very apparent is that that is actually a hard answer. Uh, it's a, it's an answer that's very hard to sort of like put to condense. Um, part of what helps Black women thrive is to have policies that take into account the intersectionality of gender and race and how you know our policies are impacting um, Black women. Other things that Black women need to thrive are more sponsorship. Uh, I mean, we saw that Black women said, like, we're not participating in the mentoring programs that places have. Um, also, you know, other research said, like, Black women are over mentored. And so it was like, not only are Black women not participating in mentoring programs, but uh, companies aren't doing a very good job in terms of setting up sponsorships. For Black women to, navig- to navigate the politics of how to move up, um, we saw that uh, Black women felt like, you know, they were burned out, which is everyone could say we're burned out. Um, you know, Black women said, "Listen, we are also burned out because we do um, an overwhelming majority of the DEI work, because it just, if we don't have a person in that role, people look to us." Um, We're also burned out because of microaggressions. Um, We don't necessarily feel like, um, you know, when we are, uh, we are afraid to apply for for promotions. Um, And for those of us who do apply for these promotions, I mean, I'm not giving you the stats because I'm like, all right, I'd have to like. No, you're Uh, good. Yeah, but uh, but, and when we do apply for promotions, only half of us get those promotions. So, like this whole, um, you know, what is the career pathway uh, was pretty alarming. And then we also, you know, we asked questions about um, like workplace satisfaction, and it, it was interesting because we had we had this one statistic someone asked me like what was the funniest thing that we found which is going to be very ironic so we asked the question we said are you happy at work and we had 64 percent of black women say that they were happy at work and then we asked them what is standing in your way of feeling as though you have a sense of satisfaction at work and it was things like no career pathways um like I said, burnout, not feeling as though we had a strong support network at work. And so we felt like this happiness piece was like very much like literally a second snapshot in time. Like you could ask me today on Wednesday, oh, are you happy at work? And I could be like, it was a good day. Yeah, I felt good about it, right? When they took it. Mm-hmm. But then when we got underneath the layers and we asked questions like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel that they were like, no, no, no. We saw numbers there that were like in the thirties and forties and sort of the baseline that I kept saying is like, if you don't have above, 50, if we are not seeing it above 50%, I'm going to call that surviving. Like if we're looking at these stats and they're not above 50%, like, which is by the way, like, think about grades, like 50 percent is still not doing well. (laughs) Um, So I was like, we're setting like a bar here that is not super high. Um, And, and what we saw is that we, uh, we found that the black women who participated in this survey, um, sort of a lot of the statistics were in the like 40%, or if they got above 50%, it was like 52%, right? We never had any statistics that were like 78%. Yay. So, um, so yeah, we decided that in most, we, we did, we had, uh, let me see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We had eight areas, eight key finding areas. We had three of those areas where we said women were black women were surviving. We had three areas where we said it was split, right? There were some areas where black women were thriving and some areas where they were surviving. And then um, I think maybe we had, actually, we we didn't have any areas where we said that black women were thriving. And that was not us trying to look for that. Like we weren't going in going like, we're gonna say negative things. It was more like, oh, this is what the data is showing us. Mm So yeah also, I think there, one of the, we can answer yeah, any number of questions.
1: yeah, one of the I, I you know, just glancing through this and and looking at this as as we're chatting, it is kind of remarkable that if you think about you know 1400 plus people responded to this, and yet mm-hmm. you know when you're looking at things like 33 percent of black women believe that job performance is evaluated fairly. Like okay, so that means sixty six percent of the population does not and and that's such a critical thing when you're thinking about all of the things you're saying about promotion and a career path if they feel like they're not being evaluated fairly then of course you know there there's going to be challenges there with how do i stay here how do i feel motivated how do i feel like i belong all those things and then also you know 39 percent agree that reward and recognition are received for good work performance so it's also that subjectivity that managers that we know the bias that comes into managers head that, you know, plays out in performance reviews, all those things, uh, you know, how that actually impact impacts black women in in such a negative way. And then mm-hmm. that continual um just, you know, not not getting the rewards and the recognition that they should be receiving. So it, these are just such interesting stats. And like, you know, we talk about, you know legacy wealth and how you know how do people start to build that well if you're not being compensated fairly if you're not making the same as the person sitting next to you that's doing the same job how do you start to build some of those things and you can't so mm-hmm. it's just interesting um yeah um i i think the other one is just like the obviously the access to opportunities that's one i think is is just so critical because i, I think there's so many what you just said, I'm actually i to backtrack. You said that you know folks aren't applying for roles, and it's part of that is because they aren't getting the roles when they do apply. Mm-hmm. And what should an organization do, like, to encourage folks to apply for the roles and to kind of give those opportunities uh, more equitably, give out those opportunities more equitably?
0: I mean, so one of them is. Um, like part of me gets incredulous because I'm like some of it is is like have a clear career path, not for every individual like I understand that that's you know you have thousands of employees but ability for someone to understand like here's the next role that I can be get here's the next role that I can get I think that is important I think it is also um Figuring out what it is that you're going to look for in performance reviews. Um, And and let me backtrack there. Actually, what are you going to base promotion on? Um, And if it's performance reviews, like, you know, I'm talking to two people where I'm like, you could tell me, like, take all the bias out of performance reviews. But I think, which is true, but I think that there's also this element of, um, colleagues of mine were talking about the amount of time that Black women spend in positions and whether or not at some point that becomes um a ping on their on their performance reviews as opposed to like oh uh, erica's been in this position for seven years she knows this well you know she knows her job very well of course she should move into this managerial position or is the interpretation eric has been in this position for seven years Erica doesn't really have a desire to move up in the in the company. um, And therefore, is she is she management material. So the the this idea that organizations need to, like, look at what they're evaluating, and then figure out whether or not it is not just if there's bias in there, but like, is it gendered? And is there a racial component to it? Is there a, a implicit uh racist component to 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 how we are applying these policies Um, you know one of the things that i was very vehement about and continue to be vehement about is that when we wrote our recommendations we never i said we will not write recommendations that ask black women to do anything like we're not going to say black women like navigate this space or figure out how to go, you know, go to negotiation boot camp. Those are good things. But I was like, I can't, I'm not going to tell a black woman to go to a negotiation boot camp if they come back to a place where um, if they come back to a company where a black woman who negotiates for herself is not seen in a positive light that reflects on the company, that doesn't reflect on the black woman. Um, And so I was like, no, the company has to look at like their promotion procedures and these managers and leaders have to examine like, well, do I, you know, let's do some of that unconscious bias work, but actually thinking about when somebody comes to me and wants a promotion and we're negotiating, do I look at Erica as a black woman and go, hmm, she's now problematic. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. She's asking too
1: much. I can tell you to a company uh, of every company I've worked for or worked with on pay equity or, uh, you know, looking at compensation, every single company, there is the, oh, this, there isn't an issue with pay equity because the folks are paid, you know, women are actually paid better than men in this level in this role. But then you see this literal drop-off at a certain level where women women of color people of color do not move past that level Mm -hmm. and you know sometimes it's the barrier between you know individual contributor to manager but a lot of times it's also the the kind of next levels of leadership and and it is just fascinating to realize that it's exactly what you're saying the oh well they're doing a great job where they are they probably don't want to move up versus saying Hey Erica, what what mm-hmm. do you want to do next? Where do you want to go next? What, you know, just having that conversation versus making an assumption. And I think part of that is also the bias that, that people have where, and you know, this is, as we know, kind of that familiarity bias of if they have the same background that I do, if they have the same right. path that they've taken, then I can mm-hmm. relate to them and say, this is what's next for you. But if it's different, different school, different, you know, background, different experiences, whatever it might be, we can't relate to that. And so then that bias creeps into we go, Oh, no, Erica's fine. She's happy where she is versus having the conversation. And it's just it's so it's so unfortunate that we lose such great people. Yes, because of that.
2: But I yeah. also think like people set people up for failure, like from the very beginning, like if you're trying to Nobody's doing anybody any favors if you're like hiring people that don't um, and you're not and you're looking at them. And the next step is management. Like we have to redo all of the all oh, yeah. of those salary so that you can make money that you don't have to go and ask for more work when you've already been working hard to get additional mm-hmm. compensation. And, yes. I, you know, I'm proud that we've been able to do that so that people can stay in the roles if they don't want to. They can continue to grow. But it's like there's so much work across the board that's so difficult for people to navigate, Um, and then the other piece is if somebody doesn't want to go into management, they do deserve more. Then you're looked at as like being lazy or being problematic because I don't want to take on a team. I mean, and I laughed. My um, my sister worked at Robert Half for 25 years and refused to go into management um and it would be so funny because she would see people on their first day you know seven years ago and, and interview them for the job and then they would become their their boss <laughs> you know but was happy and did not want to move did not mm-hmm. did not have any desire to do that but i think it's also difficult um for people to ask i think that's part of the asking for promotion if i asking more work or am I asking for an additional burden if I'm already burnt out it makes it difficult because we don't navigate those spaces and so I think that's part of why we see people quit their job in order to move
0: mm-hmm. it'd be
2: easier to just put my notice in and find somebody where I'm getting that level of respect and, and the expectation then try to fight with the you know systems that are in place at my current place, my current workplace
0: right yes
2: um i
0: agree i mean i think that they're um the like i don't want to continue to navigate this environment and i want to go to a new environment is um i think that's definitely what's guiding people i am cynical that moving into um, a new organization i mean i think we do this work enough that I'm like, they also will have issues. <laughs> so, um, I, I, I am so. I'm just so bent on organizational change, that I'm like. I do, I do want people to. Like, do whatever you want to with your career. Frankly, um, you know. This is a conversation in my house now where i'm like if you don't want to have a career that's fine like just just decide a path And, and it's all temporary like you can choose another path um but i think organizations still have the responsibility to like do the best that they can by the people whether those people are new or whether those people are have been there for 20 years um and i think that there's also part of that what the undercurrent that I put into this report and this research is really being very like pushy about if you are in a company has, that has said that they have a commitment to diversity and inclusion and equity, how are they actually carrying that out? If that is a value, how are they carrying out the value? And how are they carrying out that value, particularly as it pertains to Black women?
2: Fair. I don't understand, and I don't. I hate that. That's a problem for so many people. I um was interviewing. It was really funny. I was interviewing um a a person last week, and uh, you know, asking about inclusivity at their current organization, what's their experience, personal, business, mm-hmm. or otherwise. And I can't tell you the majority of people that I hear that have performative, um, you know people saying, oh, this is what we're going to do, and we care so much, and they never do. And I think that's why, like, at Textio where I am, people think it's a really weird environment because you take the, the commitment seriously, but then yeah. it becomes, like, scary because it's like, I don't understand what that, I don't know how to operate under those terms. Um, and then we understand that generational trauma and trying to do that self-care and build this newness with it. I, I was talking to someone else, like, you know, we the experience could be me, just like we look at first generation people, first generation school. If you have first generation leadership, right, and you don't yeah. have a history of going back or where to map that, that can be difficult too, because where's your safe space to learn where you are and you're kind of learning it as we go. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, I think well. I feel like we're getting into a depth here. I have opinions about which is like, um, when I think about, I wonder how much we need to, when you, Jackie, what you're talking about is leading me to think about whose leadership should we be trying to learn?
2: Right? <laughs> I always um, say it's like, I we have to change the system. I don't think yes people recognize that the existing system of management was built off white supremacy, starting with slavery. It's the exactly. same thing that we're doing. So until you break that system, you're never, yes. it's just like, you know, it's passed down trauma. You don't know why you feel some kind of way, but you just feel some right. kind of way. Cause that's exactly. where it's coming from. Right. So that's why people treat each other in that hierarchy. I, I think, um, and again, and we're not, we're not going to do a, a part three That would be just ridiculous. At that point, we just need to write the book. Um, But in looking at these patterns, like that's what you that's what is difficult. These messages that keep Mm -hmm. coming. That's why you have that message of, you know, you need to be like anti-white supremacy, right? Or Mm -hmm. anti-racist. But people just like to throw the word systems without recognizing, no, this is where this comes from. This is why we have done this and who taught you to
0: do that yes 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 exactly well i know that one of the things that i always say like i don't know well i'm gonna say that i think that it's been a helpful imagery to say when i talk about like leadership and management systems have been built upon uh white dominant culture and white supremacy is I was like, okay, so how many of you have done those like leadership Raleigh courses or leadership Tucson courses or leadership Pittsburgh courses? And then I'm like, and you know, you read all those books, right? You read all the books, you watched all the videos, I was like, I want you to tell me who wrote those books. Like, I want you to tell me the demographics of who wrote those books. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, white men. And I was like, so every current like let's not even say every, 90% of the current like management, leadership, accounting, every way that we run business was informed by the lived experience of white men and to a lesser degree white women. Because I think we can all look in the leadership section and go like how many um, leadership books are written by black indigenous and people of color? Mm -hmm. It's like this much. (laughs) So, when I use that bookshelf like example, people are like looking at their bookshelves, they're like, oh, and I was like, this is the problem. So, we can't like do, we can't sort of look at things like Black, you know, we can't look at Black women with like this intersection of race and gender and then say, oh, but what we need to do is morph our current leadership models. We have to think of like, what are new leadership models?
2: that's right it reminds me of when we had our doctor here on the show and we were looking at that that same piece of like no that those symptoms were not written for you they were written by white men for white men mm-hmm. so you like when i people who listen to the show are millions of fan know that that um, fans know that when I was like my doctor was like oh you have do you feel this way? You have high blood pressure? And I was like, No, I don't feel any of that. And she was like, and why would you? You're a black woman executive with children with, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of everything that well, you wouldn't feel any of those. I was like, I've never felt any of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, because that's a Tuesday for you. That's not a high stress moment. Yes.
0: Yes. So my question becomes, which leaders out there are going to be brave enough? um to to decenter what is generally been white dominant leadership and management principles and center folks of color women gender expansive folks lgbtq folks who are the leaders who are actually going to be brave enough to um, look at their own leadership principles, understand that the bottom line is here. I'm not saying like we're going to be on this existential leadership journey that's disconnected from like a bottom line of some sorts. I'm saying who's worth going to be the leaders that are brave enough to do this and understand that it will positively impact their bottom line. And by the way, those are the people that I want to work with, like people who are going to be who, who, who are interested, who are willing, who are like going to say, as you were saying, you know, everyone throws around the word system, but they actually understand what a system is. Mm -hmm. Or they understand what structural like how, how, what, like what makes up structural racism and structural sexism. And not that they have to have a PhD in it, but like they're at least willing to work with someone like me who does understand like, oh, here's all the dots. Let me explain how all the dots go together. Let me explain your role to you. Let me explain like, here's my advice on ways to do that. You can say no, that's fine. But like, you're not saying no, because it's like this like, oh my God, you're blowing my brain up, but more from a place of like, Yeah, I feel like this is important enough that I want to I want to try this and I'm willing to be iterative about it.
2: Of all this is where I I think that's where we need to go. I think some people are doing it and it's hard. I mean, I think that's the exciting part, like I honestly think. I'm doing this work and it's hard. Yes, and I've been doing it for a long time, and I think it's funny that. Well, then I should interview you. I, I, you should. Listen. (laughs) And, and make sure you're recording. Because the things that we're doing, I think, are shattering. I think they are, like, a system shattering. And I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm scared and excited. (laughs) But I just keep rolling through it. I just keep going through it. But I think well, because it's funny, you know, oh, go ahead. No, because the only way through is through. I mean, right. this is
0: sort of like I think probably all three of us would agree that that um, I feel as though I know that you are in house. Katie, are you in house? And I'm over here like consultant Erica, who probably gets away with saying a lot more. <laughs>
2: You don't have to see them a couple weeks later. you don't know our bosses though. Yeah. Yeah. Our bosses are like,
1: sure. Yeah. (laughs) Just don't burn the place down. Yeah. Uh Yeah. 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 (laughs) Which is also
0: special. Yeah. I mean, that's tremendous. This is, this is very exciting. Um, but where was I going with that? Oh my gosh. After five brain anyways, doing earth shattering things. Um, I think it does take a certain amount of willingness to sit with the newness and the experimental side of it and i think we all or i don't know i'm not going to speak for you i know that the clients that come to me when i say that this is iterative and adaptive it is like literally their bodies shrink Mm -hmm. and there's a part of me that's like how do you how do you think change happens first of all there's 19,000 books written on change but anyway like this is a change process and and yeah i just we're not going to get anywhere in doing uh getting to be inclusive and equitable and liberatory if we're not scared and also just going through it
2: you know it's it's true and i laugh because my boss said you like that we implement change slowly in a way that sticks and it was like you're so patient i was like oh no 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 oh no no i'm not patient but Mm -hmm. i understand what is you know how to do this from doing the consulting piece of like what's disruptive and what's not but it's the first time that you i've been in-house where I can see it from beginning to end and hold the people accountable and be able to hold those things for me and not just hand a piece of paper with suggestions. Right. And you have to be, you do have to be willing to volunteer as tribute. And the question is always like, is this going to work? It's like I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. We're going to go for it. And if it doesn't, and you know, put through our architecture of what we're going to do. And it was like, well, what, what? How long do we have to do stage one? And we were like, enough and until. Um, I don't know, that's up to y'all. It could take, you know, a month, it could take a year. That's up to y'all, but we're gonna hold people accountable. And I feel like um, Katie has been part of that journey too. I feel like where you're like, enough is enough. Like I'm done with it. Like mm-hmm. someone said, you know, Jackie, it's like you just all of a sudden don't give a shit. I was like, no, I never gave a shit. You just don't know me.
1: No, I don't believe you. I think you give, too much shit, meaning like you care too much. Um, But it like, I think. That's the piece that I think is also missing is and it goes back to what you're saying at the beginning and what we talked about in the last episode, the expectation that Jackie's going to do it, yes, or that whoever that, you know, that black woman Mm -hmm. in the in the room is they're going to be the ones Mm -hmm. that are going to take care of it and handle it and and also not just do the first step but go through that entire change management process Mm -hmm. and and carry that weight the whole time of all of the pieces and it just it reminds me you all have read that book who Who moved my cheese Mm -hmm. and you know how silly that book was and we all read it in corporate america at some point in our lives and how it simplified change management but you're like no this is heavy and hard work Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. and And especially when you're talking about a topic like this, that it's, it's the whole idea that for so many white people, this isn't a, Hey, let's create equitable systems. It's, you're taking something away from me Yes, Mm -hmm. and shifting that mindset to no, (laughs) no, we are not. And, and here's what's actually happening because I think there's still that I got to hold tight to the way things have been. Or I'm gonna somehow lose out. And you know, one of the things, and Jackie's heard me talk about this at my last company when we did our, we changed our promotion process quite a bit. And we then looked at the stats of what happened to white males when we changed the promotion process. And the answer was nothing. Nothing changed. Like they got the That's same right. amount and same percentage of people got promotion. Right. And I think that's something that people, like, they need to, this is not a takeaway. This is, let's make sure that it's fair and consistent with everyone. And I think that's the piece that just people forget or they don't want to think about or whatever it might be. But yeah, I think for Jackie and I both, you know, we are in very, in a very good place, both of us in our career, that we do have, uh, you know, peers and leaders that are open to let's throw some things against the wall. Not Mm -hmm. all of them are gonna work, but we're gonna try Mm -hmm. it. And and if it doesn't work, then we course correct very quickly and figure something else out that will work. And I think that's also like being able to experiment and having that space to experiment, but also just, and I know I dug in on this a lot last time, not expecting the people that have always done the work to continue to do the Mm -hmm. work. Mm Like it has to be everyone in it.
0: Yes. And what strikes me is when, and that maybe this just came to me as a possibility (laughs) is (laughs) when white people are saying, when white people feel like you're taking something away from me, I think what they feel like is being taken away from them is power money oh, power yeah. <laughs> promotion power management power but they won't say that Mm-mm. because power is a dirty word but what i'm afraid of is you are taking power away from me and like my response is as you were saying i was thinking like i want i always use bob as my white male name i'm always like so bob what's it like to have all that invisible power that you have like you're afraid of losing this invisible power which i erica hines have to like actually ask can i have that power or i have to take that power but you sit with it and you're afraid that i'm taking it from you and i'm also like you do know that power is like not to be too woo but it's literally an infinite (laughs) Mm Source. And because I have some doesn't mean it's taking away from you. But I need you to actually realize that it's okay for everyone to have some power in this room and use it responsibly. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim roos a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform
1: Yes, but so I don't. You're probably familiar, familiar, Erica, with the the wheel of power and privilege, and that is an exercise that I've done with. I can't tell you how many teams. And every time you do that and start to actually show them, what do I mean by power? What do I mean by privilege? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is just this light bulb that goes off literally around the room. Of I hadn't thought about that. Oh, I hadn't thought about the fact that if I'm thin versus more heavy set, I might have more power. If I, you know, if I own a home versus renting or, you know, all these different things that people just don't think about. And when you start to really pull that apart and make people more aware, yeah, it gets super uncomfortable real quick of, I don't want to lose that power.
2: I'm not going to give that up. I've been looking at it. I think it's what, more than that, like, I feel like it's just the social equity of the value of being put on white people. Mm-hmm. So we're taking that away from you. And it is going to yes. be taken away because that's not yes. the valuable. That's not the valuable piece that will fully be taken away from you. Like, that's the hot yes. take. But I'm not taking But you you should have thought about that last year. Like, you're just not in the position. This Now you're mad you had a whole lifetime. You just didn't take advantage of the opportunities you were given. Now you're mad at me. Right, right. But that was on you.
0: And it continues to be on you because this all goes to like, the, the culture war that is happening right now is because we are going to move to a black and brown society in this United States of America. And it's not like we haven't known that since 1990, it's now 2022, that is 32 years. And I feel as though, I mean, like, so we're, so fine. We look at this in like this, like the, the United States. Then I'm like, we look at this in terms of companies and I'm going, yes, you want to be in these, you want to plan these international waters and yet you want your entire top leadership to be white people like right in the world, but also in the US like this does not make sense like none of you are so far behind as you're saying um, Jackie like this. This is like early 2000 stuff. That's okay. right. Why are we continuing to, you know, I mean I come from a social change background so I'm like. I don't, I don't, I have no desire to center your whiteness anymore. Yeah. And that's part of what this report was very, is very purposefully not doing. It's like, we are centering black women Now you can disagree. Maybe we should, you can say to me, we could have centered all of these other people. And I'm like, so you see that I'm black, right? Like that's why, I'm, <laughs> and I have other reasons right. for that. But I'm also purposefully decentering white men and white women
2: mm-hmm.
0: as the, as the benefactor of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and just all like every, well-being benefits, promotion benefits, like we are going to de-center what has been the center for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I agree with you, like I'm done, I'm over it, but I'm also going like, I'm, I'm just need I, i'm just going to tell you I'm um, instead of like having folks figure out like is that what this is doing is that why i feel annoyed that you talked about black women and you didn't say like all women no i'm just going to tell you i purposely censored black women because i was decentering whiteness. so let me tell tell me how you feel about that <laughs> Well,
1: and, and I, it's also the, and that's okay, folks, everyone's going to be fine. Everything's fine. That right. You are centering black women in this conversation
0: and in this work. So, but I think white people um, have to say that to other white people.
1: Uh, daily yeah. I do. Yes. I, I. <laughs> <laughs> like for yes.
0: me to say that and be like, you're fine. People are like, you have a vested interest. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I do. Yeah, but white actually, people saying, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, Erica, thank you. Um, so for those of you listening, we, we will put the link into the show notes so that you can also download this report, which is really, really interesting. And I want to dig in more on it. Like it's, I think just has some great data in there and some great just reflections, if nothing else, like things to be thinking about as you are in HR and thinking about how you create equitable policies and tools and, the way that you interact with folks, and also just some insights that maybe did not occur to folks that aren't Black women, of how should you be like? Don't make assumptions. How should you be thinking about you know this data and how it applies to the women in your workplace, Black women, Black women in your workplace, and and then also hopefully we'll start a conversation of you know what? How do you feel about this with those same so those same folks? Um, What is your one takeaway that you want to make sure people get from this episode, Erica?
0: That every employee can thrive in the workplace, but that companies have to figure out what thriving means and inside of figuring out what thriving means. They, that they should be centering black women in figuring out what thriving means because, um, If they provide that for Black women, everyone else is going to do better. It's been the that's always been the orientation. It's why we say things like, "Invest in Black women, believe Black women, trust Black women." I'm trying to make that true.
2: You won't break my soul. You won't break my soul. Oh my holy Hannah, that man! It's Beyonce. You can blame it on Beyonce. The lesson
1: that I'm taking away is that I need to invest in Jackie's uh, (gasps) musical
2: Ah! training. Yeah, it? I need to. I need to get her some singing lessons. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think the big piece is just it's really important. Like you can't you can't have a, make sure that you are inclusive without making sure you're including the people that you're trying to assist along with if you are doing this work, it's it's important to look at the segmentation or how, you know, people are showing up to make sure that you're making choices for everyone and not splitting across. I just had a conversation with a software company last week. He was like, men and women want the same thing. I was like, no, they do not. And what about black women? He was like, white women and black women want the same thing. I was like, absolutely not. Now I know you're lying. Still hasn't come Mm -hmm. back. And so it's like, you have to look at this before you make sweeping statements or with the understanding that, you know, the thinking that everything is going fine. Is that like 25 things? It wasn't
1: that bad. No, no, it wasn't that bad. It was good.
2: Uh, I think
1: I'll kind of add on to that, but in a little bit of a different way. This report, I think, is such a critical thing for people to be looking at because we haven't asked these questions before, and we haven't listened to the answers if we had. And for you to say, you know, there wasn't any component that Black women felt like we are thriving in the workplace in this area. That's a damning statement. Like that is something that like we all need to be thinking about. And so to Jackie's point on the segmentation, how are you segmenting, you know, employee surveys? How are you looking at the folks on your team? Are you doing listening sessions with different segments of your population to get the rest of the story? And then back to my refrain that I always have, listen and believe when folks mm-hmm. are sharing their thoughts and their feelings on things. And if it's not your experience, that doesn't mean it's not true. Um, all right. Erica, thank you. Truly. This has been great. And thank you for coming back uh, for a second, second week, second episode. Uh, so next well, week, same for time things that work for you. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah. I was like, no you know you're just gonna have to make me a co-host at that point I
1: was at, yeah yeah you yeah. just be the co-host <laughs> recurring role <laughs> she has a uh, recurring role uh, we're picking her up for more episodes all right yeah. well uh thank you for listening this is katie van horn
2: and this is jackie Clayton. Uh, Bye. bye